Now put his rifle on the ground in front of him. No! Throw it away. Oh, Flynn, go and get my second revolver. I know how much you'd like to have your rifle with you at this moment, Mr. Quigley, but I think you'll find that I've got a much better idea. Stick it in his belt. Go on. I seem to remember you're not too familiar with Colonel Colt's revolver, so this will be your first lesson. everybody welcome to generation lost the show about movies with Bryn and jeremy that's right hello everybody we've got a lot to talk about we this week so we have a big fat episode for that ass we've done a lot <laughs> of research we have no <laughs> we've done no research at all i was just thinking about how like sometimes i do research for the show but i don't not do very any often. research for any shows um <laughs> one of the big criticisms of of my giant bomb show is that uh that you don't research enough. is that yeah that nobody's learning anything from us and i just want everybody to know learning is stupid if you're an adult who still wants to learn that's lame <laughs> yeah it's fucking dumb you know enough <laughs> you know enough you don't need to like all your content doesn't need to be like i don't know there, there's like stop a, telling people to read theory you don't you, you, you don't need, need to read to theory you don't need to read books it's <laughs> there there's just like a weird thing that happens no, that, where I people mean, think that their media consumption is more valid or whatever like if if they're like learning something from it yeah. i don't think that there's any anything invalid about just enjoying an entertainment product for what it is and just moving on with your life you yes. know no that's you don't need to absurd. add new stuff to your brain because i i listened i listened to podcasts or youtube videos to learn things sometimes mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes very practical things like electronics education. Sure. Um, as a matter of fact, everything I know about electronics uh, either came from working on the job or watching YouTube videos um, or MIT videos. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes you just want to fucking dick around about music. That's yeah. not, you don't have to learn it. What could you learn? Like, uh, who cares? Production stories. Shut up. Who <laughs> 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 fucking cares? The most research I ever did. <laughs> was for a like a one Green Day bit in this last episode mm. that was... Uh, Wait, which Green Day album? We Can did you say um, Father of All Motherfuckers, Ooh, which is like the one. New, one of the newest ones. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. Really? Um, I haven't listened to it all. N- not great, obviously. It doesn't rank with other Green Day albums, but I thought it was okay. Um, but I had looked into it, and it was their last album for Reprise for their Repre- record label. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that was like, I wonder if this was just a dump. Like, I wonder if it was just like they yeah. were trying to get out of their deal and this was just a dump. Interesting. And uh, I, that would be the most research I'd ever done was for it? the show. Uh, was to look up, was this their last record on their uh, their label? And it was. Was it a dump? Oh, I don't know. You, they, they, they would so. never say something yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> you can't publicly admit to that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because I feel like everyone knows it's ex- it exists, mm-hmm. you know? Everything from the cover to 
the effort. <laughs> it's not very good. Yeah. Um, but what's your favorite Green Day album? Uh, Do you like that band? I love Green Day. Yes, actually. Interesting. Um, yeah, they're like one of my favorite bands of all time. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> this is a whole thing um yeah i've i haven't seen green day live in 15 years but i've still seen them more than i've ever seen any other band wow discounting like local bands no they're from um the bay area oh yeah um yeah no they are i mean i grew up loving them i was like obsessed with them i uh i learned to post like on Green Day forums, that was like oh. that was my something awful Green Day was, was like your was the uh, uh, <laughs> was the unofficial Green Day forum Green Day dot org, uh-huh. which was the one where nobody actually liked Green Day. <laughs> Everybody was kind of over them, <laughs> but They're we all posted in the forum anyway. <laughs> Were you uh, like from the first like the one with the girl with the ray gun? No, I wasn't old enough. But um, you're a dookie guy. So I I was like. I was in like first or second grade when Dookie came out and my dad had it. And it was like the first album that I can like remember listening to in my life. Wow. Um, is, is Dookie. And I loved it. And then when my parents got divorced, my dad took me to see green day, uh, in 1995 so i was in i was seven years old uh-huh. uh and he took me to nasa coliseum to see green day touring on insomniac i i have a long history with green day is yeah. the point and uh i love them and their first bunch of albums are all fantastic i think the best one is insomniac but i think the most underrated one is nimrod my favorite is warning warning, warning. really i fucking love interesting warning. is it because of like a time and a place thing i don't know like I th- did you get it when it was like when it was new Oh yeah, I, I liked Dookie when it when I heard it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like to me, it was sort of because I I think I've told you like when one of my first concerts I ever saw was like Rancid when I was like nine years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like into that like West Coast uh like pop punk stuff. Um, and it was just another one to me. Like right. I knew that it was more popular, but I was like, it was good. Right, I liked right. it. I I I was into it. And then I listened to, you know, them as they came out. Like I was like, I sort of was falling off of that train. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Nimrod and um, and Insomniac were sort of like on the downslope of me listening to punk at all. Right. And I think Warning was great because it hooked me again. Yeah, it caught you right at the right at the right like exactly. part of that that uh that wave well, to be like they hey doing I, they're some... leaving punk just as i'm leaving punk exactly. so we can leave together yeah and it felt it's like perfect i'll get a ride home <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm already drunk uh, <laughs> but yeah it felt like you know the videos there was like this whole sort of like um different style and like this sort of somber yeah uh kind of darker way of looking at things that was right where i was at at that time i guess and it was just like i really loved all the songs off of it and like more acoustic-y stuff yeah i hate the singles off of it minority minority and waiting i don't love those but i do remember like there's a couple of like he has there's that that era the song warning is so good warning is fun um but it is like a rip off of um of a beatles song Oh yeah. Um, it's um, there's <sighs> a picture of this or something like that. It's like ding 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 ding. That's the Beatles one, and then the the Green Day one is like half of it. It just goes down. Anyway, um, yeah, that's a very interesting favorite Green Day album. It's my favorite one. I don't dislike it. And then when American Idiot came out, I was like, well, 
I can't. Mm. I hated it. Yeah, that was a big revitalization for me. Oh, you're like, yes. I loved yeah, I loved American Idiot when it came out, yeah. Yeah, it was just fucking everywhere and it was like So I there was, was a in- brief time. So there I know exactly what you're gonna say. <laughs> like it got really overexposed really fast. There was a very brief window when it first came out. And like, I feel like the first single didn't do so well. Like American Idiot, the title track didn't do so hot. No. And then it was like the other singles that like fucking popped off. It was off. Boulevard of Broken Dreams. And like Wake and Me Up When September Ends yeah. were like huge, huge singles. But there was a brief window when it was just American Idiot where I was like, this album is sick. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah. And it's like such a return to form for them. And I'm like so happy to see this band that like seemed like they were just going to like disappear. They're back and they're doing a good album again. And then it got like so overexposed that I was just like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I actually no, no, hate no. this album. In I, fact. So like, <laughs> I was, I listened to it and I was like, this is a whole bunch of stuff that feels posery to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like at the age where I was still being like, it's too posery. Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, of course. And then it got insanely poser because it was so huge. Mm-hmm. And then once that died down, I listened to it again. I was like, I like it. Yeah. I, I did, it, It's never been my favorite. It didn't like, energized me for that band but like uh i did i did end up enjoying the record and then i don't think i've listened to anything since yeah i haven't listened to anything since except for this one that i listened to for the show <laughs> but you know what's interesting about american idiot and then um folks at home we I promise, must talk about movies we, we will talk about movies <laughs> but what's interesting about american idiot to me is that it was such a like it was such a massive album and it was such a like it felt like such a culture shifting album and it was yeah. like it was a big touch point of that time period and you think of it as being just like this like iconic, you know, album and whatever. If you look on Spotify, all of those songs are like so far below Basket Case. Like that's how really? big of a single in nineteen ninety four Basket Case was. <laughs> is like that that's still their biggest song. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's really strange. Yeah, the, the the Green Day it was never the band I would have thought would be the Led Zeppelin for Zoomers. Mm-hmm. But it, a hundred percent is absolutely yes um i love it i love it for them i really i, really, I, I love it for them too and green day being the like led zeppelin and the who for for zoomers uh-huh. makes me so happy <laughs> like so happy because like i have a little cousin who just literally went i don't know if i she went through her first breakup I'm okay sure it's fine sure whatever. she probably doesn't listen to this show D- and then uh, you know whatever just i've don't never say her really name. well i've never really talked to her mm-hmm. like i've never met her but, you just know her like on social media or something. Yeah, yeah. Like I friended her. I was like, oh, I didn't know I had a cousin. I didn't know that this uncle had a cousin, had a daughter. Okay. And it's just like she's like thirteen or something. Mm. It was like right when I wasn't paying attention to like family stuff, uh, like when I moved here or whatever, and uh, like the end of college. And so she's this you know little kid. Yeah, yeah. And like went through a breakup and I was like, hey, if you need breakup songs, like let me know. And she like <laughs> DM'd me for the first time. She's like, I would love. If I if your breakup songs, I sent her a bunch of stuff. But she's like a huge Blink One Eighty Two fan. Interesting, and it's like really funny because she'll like ask me about like what was it like <laughs> when, <laughs> when like Blink One Eighty Two was like a that big rules. band. I was like, it was cool. It was very cool. <laughs> it was so cool. I, I feel better at, about I Green at Day. Kohl's and I listened to Animal. The you State. can get a Blink One Eighty Two shirt at Kohl's now. Yeah. No, back then. Oh yeah, I definitely. had a Blink One Eighty Two shirt that I got at Kohl's. A hundred percent. Yeah. But um, 
uh, I feel better about Green Day being a huge Zoomer band than Blink-182 because like Green Day, like Blink-182, they were always like rich kids who like, you know, they're from like Orange County suburbs and became a big band. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, okay, cool, whatever. Like mm. Green Day, like those guys were from like fucking trailer parks. They were like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, uh, Billy Joe's dad was like a trucker, like uh, it's different, stuff. different background. I'm glad for them. Happy I'm to see happy them, for them be uh, big and, and yeah. famous. And I, it's weird when people are like, fuck Green Day for like whatever. Whatever. Like, who cares anyway, anymore? So since we're talking about Jeremy's uh, relationship with Green Day, what did you watch this week? Wow. Thanks for asking. You're Brent. welcome. <laughs> um, I watched. Uh, so I watched 8 Mile, uh, Eight the Mile. M&M vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> More music. More 2000s music. Yeah. I... Um, so I have been Are we watching. Are going to start calling it the aughts? No, I don't think so. It's like always too, because it's the funny. The aughts sound stupid. Because everybody says 2020 now. Yeah. They say 2019 even. But if you say 2008, you have to say the whole thing. Yeah. And I want people to start 2008. saying. 2008. 2008. Yeah. 2007. I don't know if it's ever going to work. Because <laughs> we were so in love with the year 2000. Yeah, but those the kids, they don't know now. There's kids who are 15 now. Oh, we can and I, rebrand. I think they're going to start saying 2005 or whatever. Like, I, I it's just going to take, like, Lil Uzi Vert to say, like, 2004 once. And, like, right. every, it'll completely And then it'll just change. be, that'll yeah. be it. Yeah. Um, so, I, so, I've been watching um, the TV show White Lotus. And uh, I was hoping that I could, like, power through it this week and watch it. Uh, but I'm watching it with my wife on my wife's schedule. So I <laughs> did, was not able to schedule. do that. She has a busy schedule. I do not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we are loafers. <laughs> we're loafers. I have an easy job. <laughs> Me too. Uh, so I, um, <laughs> I've watched four movies this week. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch a lot more. I was like planning to, uh, because I knew I wasn't going to finish white Lotus. I was like, I watched a, um, I watched a documentary called Belmore the Unseen, which is a uh, <laughs> it was an independently produced documentary by like some loser from Long Island about the the Belmore punk scene from like the late nineties and it's like the most pathetic thing I've ever seen in my life and I loved it so much. I watched I threw on John Wick two to look at guns. <laughs> I was just like, what kind of gun is that? <laughs> Uh, but so I, I today I was like, all right, well I don't want to talk about Belmore the Unseen because it's yeah. not that interesting. Um, so I, I threw on Eight Mile because I had a very quiet day at work. Hell yeah! So I threw on Eight Mile, uh-huh. and um, I gotta say, um, I remember it being better than it is. Okay, I've never seen it. You've never seen it at all. No interesting i'd love for you to watch it Me i'd too. be very interested <laughs> to see what you think because eminem was someone i hated interesting. I've, I've always fucking hated eminem because i was grew up big rap fan mm-hmm. like hip-hop and r&b was like what i was besides christian worship music like mm-hmm. the only music i was exposed to really early on was was hip-hop and r&b on the radio in la right. and like power 106 and stuff uh until late and then later i got into like you know punk when i say later i mean like eight nine sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but uh so i was obviously always been into rap but like eminem felt like this weird corporate hateful thing that i just like really thought felt bad about like you know he was super misogynistic and and homophobic and like even then i was just like what is oh this? even with like all the goofy costumes and stuff well i 
uh, no, 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 like Kim, you know, like Marshall Mathers was like the 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 album that right, people right. liked, and I was just like, what is this? Like, oh, I remember like like whatever Sh- the first one is, the uh, the high my name is like, Slim Shady LP. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't know that one. Mm-hmm. It was just like I was introduced to it from the Marshall Mathers LP, and I think oh, okay. I got it from the library because it was popular. And I was just like, this is is weird, and I don't like it, and it makes me feel bad. Um, and then his whole persona of just like being an asshole really turned me off so i kind of always saw him as being like weirdly jackass adjacent like even though they never really like crossed wires very much i always thought they were kind of part of the same like movement (laughs) interesting uh yeah i don't know for whatever reason eminem was always a guy who turned me off yeah uh, and i and you never had like a return to it you never like came back and, and gave it a try not really like mm-hmm. when he started doing like stuff with rihanna <laughs> like those songs i'd be like oh these are nice pop songs but right. i never was like oh i'm gonna go out and buy an eminem record um i liked some of his more serious songs later on like the um, without me or whatever like mm-hmm. um the dido song was pretty or whatever but like you know i just never got into it so i never really watched the movie right um wasn't that interested in like seeing like a white guy rap movie. It just seemed really weird yeah, that so it would even I, exist. <laughs> I'd say that like, I don't, I, I don't think that I was ever a big Eminem fan, but I definitely saw this movie because it fe- like the way I remember it is people saying like, Hey, you know, like even if you don't like Eminem, like pretty good movie. Okay. And like Eminem, I will say, like the one thing that absolutely holds up is Eminem's performance in it is very good. He's a very really? he's a very talented actor for being a rapper who's acting for the first time ever. Sure, yeah. Uh, he's a he it's would a be very rare thing for that to work out. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and he'd be good in just like if he if I didn't know him, if he wasn't a rapper, I'd still be like, hey, pretty good performance from this guy. Uh, the movie itself is like ridiculous, like how much it doesn't hold up. <laughs> in in like modern eyes like a big part of it so so the plot of the movie is eminem plays a young uh rapper in detroit who uh his rap name is b rabbit b rabbit a maybe do- better name than eminem actually yeah it's a better <laughs> name uh so he's b rabbit and um he is uh just kind of like a dirt bag like he um he at the beginning of the movie is just broken up with his girlfriend uh, because she said that she's pregnant, but she's not. She's played by Pencil Tucky from uh, Orange Is the New Black. Uh, <laughs> is that the girl from Russian Doll too? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Uh, oh no 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 not um not Natasha Lyonne. Oh. Uh, Pencil Tucky is the one who's got like fucked up oh, teeth yeah, 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 and like yeah. um, the, the she, religious nut. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So uh so he's breaking up with his girlfriend, so that leaves him homeless and without a car, and uh, so he goes back to live with his mom in a trailer park. And it's basically just all about him just being like a piece of shit and being like, oh man, like I gotta like get my shit together and like get this demo going because otherwise, I mean, I don't know what else is there for me. And he like works in a factory and he's got like a shitty job and like he's fucking with this girl for a while, but then she cheats on him and like it's it's a very like aimless movie for the most part. It's yeah, really yeah, like I kind of got that vibe from it. Like I, I I've never seen a scene from it. Like mm-hmm. the only scenes are like him going to rap shows and then like rapping yes. and like being nervous and stuff. But I've never seen like a, and then I've seen the cypher scene, like, but mm. I've never seen like just him talking to another character and having dialogue. Yeah. I'm sure it's in there, but it's, it's there. Yeah. There's plenty there. I mean, he's again, he's pretty good and the actors around him are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the dude's name, but he's like a Marvel guy now who's in it. Um, he's like the, the Falcon. W- 
<laughs> is it the Falcon? It might be the I Falcon. I don't know. The, or, Anthony um, Rapper or whatever. I know him from. Um, he was in a Black Mirror. He's in the one where they like fucking Street Fighter. Oh really? He's the guy from that. Okay. Um, I don't remember his name. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. He plays the main antagonist, who's called Papa Doc, who's <laughs> a uh, who's a rapper who uh, is like the king of the local um, uh, freestyle battle scene. And uh, he has his own little gang called the Free World. And um, they're also maybe a rap group. Doesn't really matter. The point is that it's all centered around this like rap battle culture. And Eminem has to like battle his way to the top for respect. Of course. You got to go um, do it for respect. And uh, 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 it's just not a good movie <laughs> um, <laughs> overall. It's it's funny. It takes place in a world where like everybody battle raps all the time. Yeah. Like there's so many scenes where you just are like, they're just like driving around and they just see some people hanging out and they're like, I bet they're battle rapping. And then they like, the- pull the car around to like go out and they're like, <laughs> they are, they're battle rapping. Let's get in there. <laughs> You're good at that. Yeah, Do they're that. like outside the factory at this like food cart where they all buy these like shitty sandwiches and whatever. And then mm-hmm. like some people start battle rapping at each other. And Eminem's like, I'm going to step in and defend this woman's honor in the battle rap. That's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I bet that's a cipher. Let's go get him. And there's like a weird amount of like white identity in it. What does that mean? Like, uh, uh, I like, I remember it being a point in the f- so the end of the movie is like a big climactic like three part like he's battling his way up the ranks in this tournament yeah it's to like a sports face, movie basically. yeah it's yeah. like a sports movie to face papa doc and 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 win the king of the freestyle or whatever um it's such a fucking like obvious like old screen like jewish screenwriter of like well how do we do this it's basically a sports movie and so like, yeah we so need this the is what i was gonna say. so <laughs> so um the the thing that he keeps coming back to in his battles is he's just like yeah 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 all you guys can say is that i'm white and like whatever like i'm not ashamed of that and like in his (laughs) final battle he literally says like yeah i'm fucking white trailer trash and proud of it and you're like what (laughs) (laughs) i did not realize white pride was a part of this movie (laughs) yeah I'm proud of being white. It's okay to be white. <laughs> so the other thing I was going to say, and this is the funniest thing that I noticed this time watching it, is that, um, so I looked it up and the screenwriter is like a Jewish guy. And he he's is. the guy who wrote Joker, by the way, with Todd Phillips. Oh my God. Uh, so he's the writer did, of Joker. Did we, even talk, did we talk about that screenplay? Because we, we started the show after Joker, but yeah. I read the screenplay. Oh God. Like the whole thing, it leaked before the movie came oh, out. Oh right. Yeah, we did talk about this. We talked about it maybe on the the, 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 the big BB episode mm-hmm. we did about it, but um, it's awful. It's one of the worst. I mean, maybe screenplays are all like this now, but like it's fucking terrible and racist (laughs) (laughs) she looks at him blackly (laughs) (laughs) literally stuff like that so okay so it's a jewish screenwriter and then the director is also white Mm -hmm. and aside from eminem and his girlfriend and his mom everybody else in the movie is black and it's detroit it's detroit and it's a (laughs) hip-hop scene it makes sense but everybody talks so weird and there's something uncanny about it and that's why i looked up the screenwriter right yeah and the funniest one, so there's like his crew of dudes is like him and there's like another white guy, Cheddar Bob, who's just like 
like like mentally disabled in some way like he literally is like the dumbest character in the world <laughs> of all time and like he's like sitting there like giggling in eminem's face as he like practices freestyling in front of him he like he might oh, as well yeah. be intellectually a child yeah yeah i i've seen that clip where he's just like <laughs> he's like beavis and butthead and then there's like he's got like a fat friend who's just kind of like a funny fat guy and he's got his main friend who's like his, you know, his best friend who he talks about emotions with and whatever. Right. And then there's this one dude who is like, like, I want to say they're going for like a Hotep kind of character, like a, like a pre, like a, like an early woke, like, like Pan-Africanism, like backpack rapper guy. Yeah. <laughs> like the way that they like make him talk about like politics and like woke stuff and whatever it's like <laughs> it's like the fake plants black guys at like a republican uh town hall oh, and is that so that's basically the tone of the movie just completely out of touch <laughs> well it's like he's just there doing that sometimes <laughs> 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 yeah i don't think i'll be watching it no no i mean i'd like you to watch it i think you'd have an interesting perspective on it but what did you watch this week thank you for asking jeremy this you're very week, welcome <laughs> this week i uh, i watched um it's like i said i watched a couple of things but the one thing i wanted especially because we don't have a lot of time <laughs> i wanted to tell you about this movie i watched called prospect okay so dan beckner um tweeted about it and then a couple other people I follow were like, it's great. And then a bunch of other people are like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a movie from 2018. Um, it is a very low budget film, but it like won Sundance, I think. Um, but I haven't really, like there wasn't very many downloads. There wasn't very many reviews. I don't know if, what the legacy or what, if people have heard of this movie. But um, I checked it out just because, Dan was saying it was one of the best movies he's seen all decade. Mm-hmm. And um, what it is, it, uh, so he said, don't, he said, don't read anything about it. Just watch it. And I said, okay. And I watch it. Um, but I'm going to tell you about a little bit about it. Cause it's a show and mm-hmm. this is our movie show. But before you listen to this, just watch it. It's really good. Um, skip ahead if you don't want to know anything about it, but it's a sci-fi movie. And what it's about is, um, so it kind of reminded me a lot of Treasure of Sarah Madre. Okay. Because it's it's not a Western. Like, it doesn't have the sort of, like, Cowboy Bebop, uh, you know, Mandalorian sort of, like, Western stuff in it. You know, right. where it's, like, clearly nodding to Westerns. But it's a movie about a guy who's a prospector. Mm-hmm. And they're on this planet that has Earth-like atmosphere, but is poisonous. Like, the like like you can breathe it a little bit, but it, there's, like, poison there's is like, it like you, so you have like a time limit for how long he'd be there or something like that? No, they're wearing like, you know, like space outfits, like they have helmets on. Oh, okay. Um and they're But they filmed on Earth. Yeah, the they idea. clearly filmed on Earth. <laughs> um but it they're just it looks like a forest, but okay. it's like really beautifully done. It looks really cool. Um but it's very low budget, you know, like it like a lot of it is like color correcting and like set de- decoration and stuff. Um but it's like him and his daughter who's like 16 years old she's like a really young girl um and she's at first you're not sure if she's a good actor because she's not saying very much but then it's like a fantastic performance um and basically what it is is they're like on the planet to they've been hired by mercenaries to get like these 
basically like land clams, like they're weird, like gooey David Cronenberg, like plant animal things that they dig up. And then they like have to do this very specific, like cutting of it. The mm-hmm. thing about what's very, and then basically they meet the Mandalorian, the guy who plays the Mandalorian mm-hmm. is in it, Pedro Pascal. And, uh, a lot of things go wrong is basically all I'll say. And there's sort of who's going to get the stuff who needs who, uh, why do they all want the stuff? Um, is that even important? How do they get off the planet? Tension basically. Um, but what's great about the movie is none of this is explained. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you start and they are doing stuff. It's a guy and a girl and they're on a planet and they're doing stuff. There is literally zero exposition to this whole movie. And it's sort of a testament to the writing that it works. Um, Cause you're pretty confused as to what they're doing. Um, but it's all through context and basically like you get the lingo by the movie mm-hmm. and it never feels like stupid. <laughs> and it, there's always this weird fine line where it's like, are they just making up lingo for no reason? So that to confuse you or, because it's space or whatever, but it never feels like dumb. It's never like we got the gazingo truck. You know, they're not just saying dumb shit. Yeah. Um, they're talking about what they're doing. They're saying the mercs are paying us and we have to get there for the situation. Um, and it's, it's not a movie that has a perspective. It's not trying to say anything. It's literally just like a world building movie where it's like, here's the characters and here's what you're going to, and you find out about them through what they do and how they talk to each other. Um, and then they're put into insanely dire situations um, that are really scary and real. not, it's not a horror movie by any means, but it's um, like tense, you know, there's guns, they all have guns, but they're like rail guns. Mm-hmm. And so they look kind of weird, but um, uh, yeah. So they're just like trying to get, out of the situation alive basically um and that's the movie um and it was so simple but i just hadn't seen a movie done that way in a long time or it was just like a simple story about trying to get to the end of this and get out alive and not kill everyone around you yeah and 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 a movie that like trusts you enough to not give you everything and just be like, you'll you'll get it. You'll, you'll get figure it. it out. That's the thing. There's no like, there's no cutaways to like. And this is how my rail gun works. You know? Right. It's right. like they know, and it 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 treats the audience like you'll understand because of context. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I almost don't want to praise it so much, but it was. I kept thinking about it. I was like, this is a perfect movie because all it's trying to do is be a good suspenseful. Uh, space western mm-hmm. and it is just like the best one i've ever seen <laughs> like there's no like there's no grandiosity of like we're trying to say something about politics or right, you know, right. economics or uh, you know settling or anything there's nothing like there's none of that is there it's just a movie about getting space clams getting space clams and then you know your father and this other guy and that's it mm-hmm. and it's great i i i, I don't and is it like plainly entertaining like is it yes. like it's not just like a slow like so uh, it's it has weird um reviews and this is what's been fascinating to me like kind of 
researching it, I guess, because I was just like, what did these guys do before? That It's like two directors and they had never made a movie before, but they made a short also called Prospect that was basically this movie, but short mm-hmm. basically for funding or whatever. Um, and people are like, <laughs> if you go on Letterboxd, there's like, this movie has no story. Right. There's nothing happens. And it's like, what did we watch the same movie? Like people die. There's like intense, insanely rising stakes. Like right. I was, I was earnestly like tense. Like, like when I, you remember when you first saw no country for old men yeah. and, it, and it feels like a, a kind of suspense you haven't felt in a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I felt when I saw no country. I was like, wow, I haven't seen a movie that made me feel actually tense uh, since like the fugitive or something, you know, right. since like the nineties. And this one, I think, to me felt like very tense and very well constructed and well paced yeah um but people did have the complaint that it was very slow that it was that it had no story mm-hmm. um so i don't i felt like i watched a different movie so i'd love to hear what the people in our discord if anybody felt that way like explain to me why you would feel that way but i thought it was a i feel like people might have said no country was slow you know like it's, yeah it's like a movie where you're just running the whole time um but it's a very tense movie i thought it, I, I felt like it was just like you get in and then once you've they establish the stakes very quickly um like within the first 10 minutes somebody dies mm-hmm. and then it's like nobody trusts each other there's no baseline at all of like what's going to happen. And I just had no idea what was going to happen to the, till the end of the movie. So my experience of it was, this was a very fun, like you say, plainly entertaining romp. Uh, And some other people were like, this is pretentious, boring bullshit. So I don't know, maybe I'm just broken, but (laughs) yeah, very possible. Uh, Yeah, it's very possible. You never know, but I, I, I can't recommend it enough. It was, it was super fun. I hadn't seen to look into it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the production design was super cool. It, like, it all looks sort of handmade. This mm. is what we're talking about on the bonus episode with Cowboy Bebop. It felt... I kept wanting to bring it up. Like, right, it right. feels like they live there. Mm-hmm. It feels like gee, they all know what all these things are. And there's dirt everywhere. And they're barely surviving. It's always yeah. breaking, you know. Th- that stuff is done really, really well. Um, just the whole world of it and the vibe of it, I thought, was really, really impressive. So... Yeah. Watch it. All right. Okay. Let's get on to the movie we both watched this week. Yes. Which is Quigley Down Under. Very cool movie. Must say, up top. Really? Very cool movie. Okay. Uh, I uh, was not sure what you were going to think about this movie. I uh, This is one of the s- second Westerns we've watched yeah. for this show. I immediately, after watching this, I was like, maybe I'm just a Westerns Dude, guy. Westerns rock. <laughs> I don't. I have never been a big like. I've never gotten into westerns really because I've never tried. And now I'm kind of thinking like maybe I like westerns. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is a uh, you know Treasure of Sarah Madre was a western. Yeah. Um. It's like the western. I guess. Uh. But you know when I think of westerns, I think of cowboys and Indians. Sure. And you know I've seen John Wayne movies and that shit is boring. Mm-hmm. I don't like what I thought were Westerns, but Treasure Sarah Madre is a fantastic movie. Listen to our episode on that. If you haven't, it's a, you got to watch it. Yeah. It's great. Um, and this movie, <laughs> um, this is a movie called Quigley Down Under. Um, it is directed by Simon Wenser, who's Australian. He directed things such as Free Willy 
and a terrible movie called Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man uh, <laughs> and Operation Dumbo Drop and the, the third Crocodile Dundee movie. Um, so he's not a very uh, established director. Yeah, he's not a, he's, he's not a storied creator. No. Uh, and then John Hill wrote the, uh, wrote the screenplay. Um, but he also didn't do my, he, he was like writer on quantum leap. Like it doesn't, it's nothing. There's nothing about this movie. The reason I picked this movie is because I saw it like a ton as a kid. Mm -hmm. I think it was just like on TV a lot and my dad liked it. Yeah. And so it was just like on, or maybe we rented it. I think we ended up. I feel like you must've read, this is not a TV movie. There's no way this was on TV. We must have eventually, now that I'm thinking about it, we eventually bought it. I know for sure that yeah. it, I had it on VHS at some point, but I'm pretty sure it was also like on TV once. Um, but it's a movie about, uh, yeah. So it was just a movie that I saw a ton yeah. and I, and it's funny cause I've never met anybody who's seen it. I've never heard of it before. Yeah. Uh, and I, in my mind that it was a cool movie and I, so the reason I, I, I was saying I was going shooting mm. last week and I, or a couple of weeks ago, uh, with my friend, uh, and, uh, we were talking about what, what got us into sniping and guns in general. Right. And I was like, what are the, some of the first movies? And we, I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know, I think maybe the first movie that I saw where I was like, that's cool was quickly down under. And they were like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's this movie. Um, and then we'll just talk about what it's about. Yeah. So the story of it basically is it's this guy Quigley. Uh, was it? What's his first name? Matthew. Matthew Quigley. It doesn't matter. He's Quigley. He's Quigley. <laughs> uh, so it's this guy Quigley, who's an American uh, cowboy who has a modified uh, gun. It's he's a, a big he's rifle. Got a big long rifle, like the longest rifle you ever did see. <laughs> this is Western times, by the way. This is like Western like early nineteen hundreds. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, think of that kind of a rifle, but very long, with like a special mm -hmm. little scope on it and like special little triggers. Honestly, and looking back, cool big bullets, a little steampunky, almost like it's, a little it's, bit. Yeah, but like the design is is almost like this gun shouldn't exist in this time period. Yes, exactly. They call it experimental. This is a big part of it. Is that like the premise of the movie? Essentially, like if you were going to drill it down, the idea is what if you sent a modern sniper back to Western times? Exactly. Um, in and Australia, he has to like invent his own gun and whatever. But yeah. so basically, he's got this gun that's experimental. The bullets are experimental. He has to get a special guy to make the bullets later in the movie. Um, they really want to stress like this is not a normal gun. This is not a normal <laughs> shooter. This is the only guy in the world who does this or can do this. Right. And so he. He uh, arrives in Australia. Well, he answers. He answers a wanted ad. Well, but we find that out later. Right. He arrives in Australia and uh, he uh, is going off onto the shore to like go about his business. He sees a woman being dragged away to be gang raped by these people. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Hey, you won't be gang raping this woman." And she's like, "You're my husband." And Roy. he's like, "No, I'm not." And she's like, "Yes, you are." And he's like, "All right, well, why don't you follow me around for a little while?" They call her Crazy Cora. Yeah, she's Crazy Cora. And then it turns out that the guys who were going to gang rape her are actually the guys who were there to pick up quickly to take him to this ranch where he has a job to do. Right. Uh, we go through a very arduous travel period. Uh, a little which is slow. At probably the, the worst part of the movie. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, was like, well, is this movie gonna be boring? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he gets to this ranch where we meet uh, the guy Marston. Alan Rickman. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, what's Marston. The, Marston uh -huh. is the character's name. Uh, yeah, it's played by Alan Rickman. Uh, main character is played by, um, not Burt Reynolds. Uh, Tom, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, yeah. Which is 
very interesting the other burt reynolds yeah it yeah. is a very interesting <laughs> choice because uh, he's i always think of him as more of like a sex icon than a like action icon yeah he didn't really do much like this except for magnum pi yeah and magnum pi i always thought was more about the sex appeal than about the action mm-hmm. but anyway so he arrives at this ranch and he meets alan rickman alan rickman's like hey can you shoot real good and he's like yes i can and he does and everyone's like wow i've never seen that before that's crazy you should have fancy dinner with alan rickman right so the 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 he enter he answers a wanted ad and the, the way he got his attention was by sending back the wanted ad clipped out with like a very close grouping of holes and it's signed m quigley 900 yards yeah and alan rickman was intrigued by this and had him sent out to australia just to meet him so he proves that he can do it yes and so they they have dinner together and basically cool uh quigley is like hey uh so what the fuck do you want me here for because like it doesn't seem like you really need a guy who could shoot real far so what's your fucking deal and he's like well here's the thing man is uh uh i want to do genocide in the aboriginal people that's right and uh we get a hilarious like hard cut to Alan Rickman being thrown out the window. And then he's like, nobody throws me out of my window. And he goes back in and he gets thrown out again. And basically like what happens from here is that they like, there's like an action sequence and they like throw Quigley and crazy Cora out into the wilderness to go die. They hang out with the Aboriginal people for a while. They become, you know, one with the Aboriginal people. They come back and, and through a whole bunch of like action sequences, there's like a back and forth of, of fighting and killing more and more of Marston's men until eventually he yeah. kills Marston. And that's the end of the movie. Like literally the last, like there's a short denouement after it. Yeah, but it's like very briefly where they're just like, hey, we're going back to America and now, now and I'm taking Crazy Cora with yeah, me. Yeah, now we're kissing. Yeah. And then that's we the We can end. finally fuck. But that's the structure of the movie. It's functionally, it's functionally like anti-racist diehard in the Australian Outback. Yes. Um, it's like, it's Australian Django Unchained kind of. <laughs> yeah um because i mean even alan rickman is there like he's yeah. uh he's being an evil guy and he wants to do genocide um and tom Selleck is an american who is like not in my watch partner yeah doing <laughs> um, genocide against the indigenous people of your land well that's un-american that's absurd <laughs> um yeah and uh and then there's also a whole story kind of fleshed out while we do this uh with crazy cora who is a woman who ends up having uh, she, she, she has basically, a deeply traumatic backstory where yeah, she um, she's not crazy she's just quirky and also traumatized traumatized by accidentally killing her own child yeah so she uh had a ranch house with her husband and and they had a kid together and then these apaches i think it was apaches maybe it was um seminal i don't know wherever they were it was it was some native tribe uh descended on their house and were like riding around on horses and like whooping at them and whatever and she was like i think they're gonna fucking kill us and it turned out they were just drunk and fucking with them yeah but she was like trying to like keep her baby from crying so that they could stay hidden and she accidentally smothered the baby and then the husband was like fuck you you fucking psycho you're going to australia he put her on a boat sent her off there and then she's been living in australia ever since right and uh, a lot that, of backstory on her yeah we, get we don't lot. even know why quigley has the gun is he in the army like why does he do this <laughs> yeah he's never like there you'd think in a movie set in this time period we'd a know what year it is yeah we don't it's not ever said yeah uh we also don't know if quigley fought in the civil war um 
And if so, what side he was on? We, I, you have to assume he'd be on the northern side if he was in the army. But uh, he's from Wyoming, so he might have just been like a non, yeah, western guy. Yeah, he was just, just a like, non-combatant, right? Um, but it's it's fascinating that it's just not grappled with. Yeah, and I and I think it's partially because um, it's written by an Australian, mm-hmm. someone who maybe doesn't have a lot of historical understanding of our country and more of their own country and wanted to write a story about um about australia's history right and its own terrible things and like what if you i think he felt my sense is that he felt like a way to show that where that isn't such a downer is like what if an american came and helped not do that yeah and um, i think a part of this too is just like <laughs> kind of like transplanting the fun of the western into a different environment yeah. and like i mean they even like use alan rickman essentially as a like conduit for that idea like he's constantly saying like i love the wild west and like yeah. i love that you're here in australia wow it's just (laughs) what a a concept is so much fun i love to see that so yeah that's that's functionally the movie um and you liked it i I loved it i I had a great time (laughs) yeah Um, i i was very surprised in the ways it held up and the ways it didn't mm -hmm. um because i haven't seen it since i was probably under 10 years old right um and it's funny how much it feels like a kid's movie sometimes. So this is what I was going to ask you is like, who the fuck is this movie for? Because yeah. it does feel like tonally us, I guess. <laughs> style. Yeah, it's for us. Like tonally, stylistically, like everything about it screams, this is for kids. Yeah. But then the subject matter is like, we open with, you know, Quigley stops a gang rape. Yeah. Like we see, you know, we, we touch on genocide very early on. We see aboriginal people being driven off a cliff to mm-hmm. die yeah. like there's like some really really harsh stuff, stuff that happens in this movie <laughs> it was as intense as i remember it yeah like in my mind it's more stylized like when i when i was thinking about and what i remember to this movie i remembered a shot which i think i'm transposing from a different film maybe mel gibson's apocalyptica or something mm-hmm. but like um just like a shot of like the skyline with like aboriginal bodies just like falling in slow motion yeah uh it's not that intense but it's pretty close yeah um that i mean they're definitely throwing them off a fucking cliff yeah, i mean you see they're like yeah. dead bodies at the bottom afterwards when she finds the alive child yeah uh it's yeah, fucking a baby rough. that was tough for me yeah it's very <laughs> rough oh yeah and the baby is like, screaming because the dingoes are gonna eat it like mm-hmm. there's it's a it's not a kid's movie yeah it is shot and has the score of and kind of acted like it is yes a lot of the time a lot of the a lot of alan rickman's acting feels like <laughs> a kid's movie to me uh um, yeah tom Selleck can like kind of like waver in and out crazy cora never a kid's movie character um all no. the background guys all of like uh marston's like homies they are all from a kid's movie yeah and like home alone or something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um but it, it's funny because they're it's like it's not when we say that, it's not that it's bad. Yeah. They're all doing well. And you can sort of, what, what it basically is, is it's too fun. I think it's like, it's taking itself a little fun and it wants you to have a good adventure time. I think that's what it's 
it's not that it's like dumb Daniel Stern crossing his eyes like goofy. Right. Um, like nobody says oofa doofa when they get like kicked in the balls, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. nothing there's like no that. Like, boing, you know, there's no yeah. springy slapstick shit, but there's just this weird nineties tone of like, this is for like a preteen, you know, adventure time. Yeah. And I think it's just that they don't like, they're confused and they're like, the filmmakers yeah like i think it's a little bit like rent in some ways where it's like (laughs) you have this really heavy subject matter that you have to contend with somehow and you're like i don't want to make a sad intense movie which is the only thing unfortunately it's the only thing that's appropriate to do when you're talking about like the genocide of your native people right but dude wanted to make a western and like a western has to be fun you can't have a sad western like (laughs) It, yeah it, yeah so it's there's it's uneven tonally but i think it's for that it still allows you to have fun with some of the darker aspects of the movie it's funny because there's in the opening of the movie um you see like the very first shot is uh well it's well the very first shot is him like just his hands on a desk and stuff and like getting ready and packing up his gun and yeah. stuff and then it cuts hard cuts to the boat and then the first real scene is him getting off of the boat and helping an elderly couple like get off and like this douchebag is like giving him a hard time and he's like being the sort of peacekeeper yeah and they're like thank you mr quigley and he's like so he's dressing like a blue shirt and a red scarf and a brown hat and he looks so specific my boyfriend was like is this like a comic book character or like is are we supposed to know who quigley is like you know because it's called quigley down under yeah, you're like, supposed to already know who quigley is. yeah you're supposed to have seen quigley one and this is quigley down under right, right, right it is not that but it feels like that it feels like that yeah um but he's nobody. He's but in like, some ways, that's that's impressive to be able to write a character and style a character in such a way that like you feel that sort of like pressure where you're like, oh, he's like a legend. Yeah, they do that with um, uh, uh with Smokey and the Bandit too, where like oh. you kind of like the Bandit like feels right away like you're supposed to know who the Bandit is because <laughs> like the first time you see him, he's like sleeping in a hammock at a truck rodeo, and like the guy comes up to him and he's like, hey, you're the Bandit, right? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you're a fucking legendary truck driver. And he's like, yeah, they say that, and you're like all right well you're not showing me any of this so i I guess like am i supposed to know yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so there's this sense that he's like a larger than life character but he's just like the main character of this 90s movie that does no one ever heard of yeah so and there's never been a sequel there's never been anything like i don't think it did very well no it barely made its money back (laughs) (laughs) um i didn't really look at like what the um what the um the reception was like fairly negative i feel yeah 56 on rotten tomatoes roger ebert says two and a half stars isn't bad for him because yeah it was like a four star thing yeah two and a half out of four this is a flawed but respectable neo-western um but yeah it didn't it didn't uh do very well didn't do very well it cost 18 and it made 21 this was 1990 yeah so it's weird. It was just a completely forgotten movie. But like we said before, like it's structured really well. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's not, it has really fun action. I mean, dude, the action? I'm always going to like sniping, but like, there's even some fun, like 
wacky sort of like uh like the, i think of the sequence where they're like trying to smoke him out of the house that they're you know they're yeah. like burning down the house that he's in and he like sneaks down kind of the side of it and he like goes behind that boat but then he like shimmies through a little pipe and like comes up behind them and uh-huh. stuff and like that shit's cool that's just good fun <laughs> yeah it is and it's shot in a way that you get what's going on you know it's like it's not um but even that scene is like so weird because it's like this goofy fun time where he like shimmies through a pipe and then snipes them. He's like, hey, boys. And they're like, what? And he shoots them <laughs> that's off. That's one thing that's always really funny is like they want him to never like somebody made the decision. Somebody on on set or in production like decided Quigley can never shoot anyone in the back. Mm-hmm. Like he's a sniper. Yeah. But like he almost always like whistles or yeah, like yeah. everybody's like, hey. gotta be hey what's up and then he shoots them in the face <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what i was gonna say is like he he goes through this whole goofy rigmarole to like get to this little vantage point where he could shoot them from and then he kills them and then he like realizes that like the wife of the bullet maker is like dead and there's like a kid crying <laughs> next to her and then he's like why mom why and she's like fading and oh, like yeah. dying really realistically and he's just like he like realizes like the weight of his hijinks <laughs> he's like he's like i bring trouble everywhere i go i need to finish this with marston and then he like fucking like beats the shit out of that dude and he's like you go tell marston i'm fucking coming for him and you're like what is the tone of the movie (laughs) he just shimmied through a pipe to do a whistle and a hey boys and now we're watching this woman fade (laughs) yeah there's a ton of stuff like that in this movie um it, it, like everything is dealt with on like a Red Dead Redemption level, like seriousness. Yeah. Like he gets shot in the leg at one point, and it's like not a Hollywood shot in the leg. Like he can't use it for like a while after, and he's like dressing it and stuff. Yeah, he's not like okay. <laughs> um, but then once he is, it's like then he's just like strutting around and doing his stuff or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a weird. It has a weird tone. Um, but it's not enough for me to not have a good time with it. Yeah, I had a great, great time. Um, I think one of the things that I w- that I found interesting was it's dealing. I think it doesn't. It just doesn't really deal with America at all. Mm. Um, the one time I think it does, I think the the way it deals with America is Quigley, right? Where he's just like a a quiet, stoic, um, absolute killer yeah. who's like incredibly good natured and a murderous <laughs> like you yeah know? well he um at some stage in his first conversation with marston he's like um he's like you know like you americans i i envy you so much and like your cool action style and mm-hmm. whatever and he's like yeah sure whatever man and then he's like you know and and you guys have figured out a solution to the native question the final solution you and, might and say. quickly he's like well he has got a good line there where he's like, he's like, well, you know, it depends on, you know, who you ask. I don't think the natives would say that we found a good solution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's the weird thing is that he's sort of this like, um, not, um, anachronist character, um, where he's like a Wyoming wet, wild West frontiersman who hates like racism and yeah. genocide. And like, 
It's like, what were you doing out in the West then? How'd you get there? Yeah, in some ways, it's a it's an interesting choice to make that it's like, I want to make a movie contending with like the violence that we did to Aboriginal people. So who's going to be the one who comes to solve it? Of course, an American. Uh, a white American frontiersman yeah. who was paid by the government. I mean, like that's why the West exists, right? Like That's whole- almost certainly what, what he was doing with his sniper rifle before, right? Like- like, yeah. Well, it's funny because he... he um, the first thing he says to Marston is like, I feel like you're not, I'm not supposed to shoot dingoes. Yeah. Which is like maybe what he was hoping for. And then what he says is he's like, but it, I assumed there would be like uh, deserters or something like people. He, he assumed he was going to have to kill people. Right. That were like turning against him. Like he was like, is there like an army or like uh, somebody you need? Uh, and he was like, no aboriginals. And that's what makes him like turn on him. Right. Which is he's like, that's a line too far. But well, I wonder if like, I wonder if we're supposed to be inferring into his backstory that like he has some sort of a sour history with it. Like maybe that's because we never know what the gun is from we never know what his history we don't know anything about him except that he's from wyoming yeah and that he's very cool and good at shooting he's so cool and kind and kind and has a real like a godly sense of morality yeah um but what i wonder is if like his godly sense of morality is like developed from the fact that he has a dark past where like he like maybe he was on the frontier to kill native americans and, and like now he's evil. like yeah he's learned the error of his ways and like he's like trying to make up for it as this sort of like you know wander the earth cane from kung fu sort of thing like, <laughs> where he just yeah. like wants to like do justice wherever he goes that would be so sick if that was the show oh my god if they made a fucking <laughs> of series fu? of no a, a quigley series right where like it's like quigley down under and then it's like quigley in like central america and he's like going around to like all the different places just like fucking sniping in anti-colonial efforts <laughs> just everywhere he goes right well this is the that would be great and then I the would. closing credits is him with like the gun over his shoulders just like walking down a path as like the credits roll next to him <laughs> like the hulk yeah exactly uh but he's got the gun over his shoulders with like his arms over it i love the score to this movie yeah very it has good this score very um like um it feels like an Aaron Copeland riff-off, mm-hmm. but a really good one. Um, I feel like sometimes the banjo is sitting a little too high you're in the right. mix. The banjo, I was like, the banjo? <laughs> I don't mind the banjo. I think it's appropriate for the for the style, but I think it just needed to be a little lower in the mix or else I was going to be like... Um, but it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I would love to see that movie, and I would love to believe that about Quigley, but what I feel is that the screenwriter was like... The, I, I can't we can't go so deep into that stuff or else it doesn't make sense yeah you can't really give him really any history without making an insanely anti-imperialist because if because if he's like a guy who like understands and is like very aware of what's going on and he's basically john brown mm-hmm. <laughs> like he wouldn't go like he wouldn't go like naively being like oh a white 
European in Australian outback. Like, yes. I wonder what he's doing. Yeah, I wonder what he wants a sniper for. Yeah, like he, you know, the whole idea is that it's an imperialist project, so he would have understood that. Yeah. Um. But I mean, he also offered him a lot of money, so I wonder if he'd yeah. be like, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe it is dingoes. Maybe if it's dingoes or like white guys who are like trying to take over his land or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you it, it's sort of like purposefully sidestepping and being like don't ask don't ask too many questions yeah but it is funny um that there is sort of an um there's one line of like american exceptionalism uh where quigley in the very arduous long boring sequence in the beginning they meet these like red coats oh yes the yes, british yes. guys who are like every once in a while show up to be annoying um and are basically set up just for the cool ending scene where like mm. all of the aboriginal people like help him um but he's like, um, they are like, we're trying to get these pesky nuisances off of our land or whatever. And he's like, Amer- in America, we already did that. The British are all gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, it's like a very poor line. It's way worse than that. It's like, it's like, yeah, in America, we already did that. And you're like, to, to the British. And he's yeah. like, to the British. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> like everybody got that joke in the first half. Yeah, you didn't yeah. need to keep it's going. It's not very well done. And this is, it's funny because were you like sort of like not on the movie side at that point? Yeah, definitely not yeah. on the movie <laughs> side at that point. Yeah, I was too. I was like, okay. We get it. And it and it feels so like rah rah America. Like we yeah. did a revolution against you. Um and it's just weird because Quigley doesn't have like a real like pro America stance in any other scene. Yeah. Um he's just like an embodiment of America. Like right. he's literally wearing like red and blue. Yeah, I wonder if like part of the decision to make him American is just like you're the you're the Australian screenwriter, you're you're writing about you know the genocide of your people and you're like well it's got to be somebody who's not australian who's who's coming in to like be involved in this because we need the outside perspective to tell this to right exactly um so where could they be from and you're like running down the list and you're just like (laughs) can't be from britain can't be from britain 100 percent can't be from britain (laughs) (laughs) and then you're like could it be ireland no that doesn't really make sense like they don't have that sort of like like that's like the only place that like has a culture of like guy, like guys who like could do something like this and also isn't the the worst one of them all <laughs> for the time period yeah. <laughs> you're like i guess it's got to be an american <laughs> yeah it, it it feels like the the con- the conceit of the idea was like what if john wayne was on the right side of history yeah and like let's just just pretend that that happened and like then put him in and i think that's fine like I don't need it to make sense like historically it's right. it's a it's a silly it's a little bit of a silly like adventure movie yeah and I think it's great that you know you're sort of able to have this sort of like basically ends up being a one-man war against like white people settlers right um, I think the main criticism of this movie that people would have is that it's sort of a white savior movie mm-hmm. um and you don't really get to know any of the Aboriginal people as characters. They're yeah. mostly silent. They are one character, which yeah. is the Aboriginals. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and, well, th- I think the main one you get to see is the one who's being, like, a house slave mm-hmm. by um, 
who gets like Marcin. a very fun like Django Unchained ending where he just like strips himself naked and like leaves the, yeah, the and ranch. Yeah, like goes joins his his actual family. Yeah, and then he like shows up at the end when they he, they save Quigley, and that's th- I think that's a f- completely fair criticism. It's 1990. Yeah, you know it. Why are we telling this story? Kind of thing that like why are we telling the white guy's story? Fine. Yes, that's a f- totally fair criticism for this movie. Uh, it's still nice that they get to be like you know australia has this sort of history i think of doing movies with the aboriginal people Mm -hmm. um real like real aboriginal people like they're not casting like city folk right um they seem to like doing that crocodile dundee 2 has a lot of aboriginal people in in it um and i guess they must pay them pretty well and they're sort of just like great <laughs> we're gonna i guess yeah I don't and some know. of them are really good actors um i don't i don't know what the culture must be like I, I i'm always thinking about and i have been thinking about it since i was a kid like if you live out in the in the desert in the outback like and people are like do you want to be on in a movie <laughs> are they all just like sure like what is yeah <laughs> what I is bet. their sure, culture yeah. like uh but they they have you know a different language and i I'm, i don't really know how integrated they are with as far as I know, like, and I mean, I know very little. Empirical society. Um, but as far as I know from, like, the Australian people that I've met in my life, like, it's still extremely segregated. Right. And, like, they're very much not integrated into regular Australian life. And, like, I mean, I've met Australians who I would describe as, like, pretty in line with, like, what you would consider, like, liberal politics here. Sure. Uh, who are extremely racist about Aboriginal people. Like, it is a very, like... <laughs> I'm sure it's a very tense and sore subject. It seems. Yeah. Uh, if we have any Australian listeners, please write in. Um, yeah, and and tell us how if this is a uh, sort of very racist movie to you, or like how does this read? I yeah. would love to know how this reads to an Australian now, in not in 1990, because it's it's to me it it reads as sort of a little like I guess you could have given them more. Car- time to like talk about it yeah um and you could have had a more interesting story where there's like subtitled dialogue and like the c- characters within the aboriginal tribe uh dealing with quigley and stuff you, you you they're not subtitled that's what's what's interesting about it is that yeah. it's like they're just sort of like other they're just like well this i think force, you're supposed basically. to be like you're, you're through the Quigley's you're eyes. You're through Quigley's eyes, and and he can't understand them, so you can't. Right, exactly. Which is something that we had said was very sick about Sierra Madre, is it that is they they don't they don't they don't tell you what the Spanish people say. Yeah, um, and I I, th- I don't think it's evil to do this. Like I don't. I, if you want to tell a story about what if John Wayne was John Brown, uh-huh. <laughs> like cool. Um, and I, I think it's a fine, I don't think you need like half an hour of, of the, the, the Aboriginal guy's story, um, to tell the story well. Um, but I think it's fun is the, the, the case. It's not yeah. trying to be a politically nuanced take on Australian politics. It's supposed to be basically a power fantasy of like, what if I could do something about it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I, I think it was really, really I think it was great. Kind of held up. Very good, very, very good fun. I thought it was a, go- a, a, a gosh darn tootin' good time. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't really talk much about the gun, 
But Very cool gun. Good coverage <laughs> of it too. It was like um, it reminded me of of Black Dog, where it's like it's so concerned with like getting all the coverage of all the little parts. Yeah, and like his exp- explanation of it is so like realistic of yeah, like yeah. how it would work and how yeah and he's like doing like the dirt in the air and stuff and like checking the, <laughs> wind. the wind yeah yeah and like how you would shoot over you know what 900 yards is like a mile right i don't know it's nine football fields like very very far how you would do that at this time period all that stuff is very fun and sort of more about what the movie is about than the political yeah, the content. gun is really the main star mm-hmm. here it's what if you could shoot someone from real far away <laughs> and like the reason he can do sort of a one-man war on like a whole group of like uh, uh australian settlers is that he has this gun that allows him to kill people without them being seen without him being seen yeah but Um, he wants to be seen so he whistles and says hey boys (laughs) and then he kills you which is funny because sometimes he doesn't sometimes like when he when he kills two people and one so sick it's so fucking cool and i love that fucking uh that what's his name alan rickman is just like oh he was probably waiting for two of you to stand (laughs) near each other for hours As if, like, he's trying to make it, like, it's not that cool that he did that. <laughs> he was probably waiting. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of actually lame that he did that. <laughs> if you think about it, it's kind of a try-hard move. <laughs> yeah, it's actually cringe. <laughs> you hear that quickly? It was cringe. <laughs> yeah but no it's very cool yeah. uh and there's a ton like a ton of if you if that sounds cool if the very i mean according to the wikipedia and i've never heard anybody say this but among snipers well how uh, many snipers do you know i don't but uh <laughs> i don't know a single one but uh, according to the wikipedia among snipers hitting two people at once with the same shot is called a quigley yeah um i would bet you 90% of the DVD sales of this movie since it got a DVD release snipers are from Marines who are yeah. like actual snipers. I would assume so too. Um, and, uh, and like tactical vest guys who are like, I want to be a sniper. Yeah. Tactical guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who wish they, I wish I was in the military. <laughs> I couldn't, I had flat feet, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, if that sounds interesting to you and it is, it's very fun. This is a movie for you. It is one of the first movies that made me be like sniping is cool. Um, and I think it's mostly about that. And just from a perspective of let's be on the right side of this. And it ends up being very fun, I think. Yeah. Great so time at the movies. Check it out. Quigley Down Under. It's a movie that no one has ever heard of. It's a great time. Uh, and it's it's almost two hours long. And Jeremy didn't even complain. So didn't you, even, you know didn't even notice. <laughs> In fact, it's a, it's gotta be good. So thanks so much for listening. This has been generation loss. If you'd like to hear more of our show, please uh, go to patreoncom slash generation loss, where you will be able to acquire a bonus episode once a week, once from a us week. where we talk about the movie news this week, talking about Spike Lee being a nine 11 truther. Oh yeah. Uh, and John Cleese being a, a cancel culture weirdo. Okay. Yeah, and uh, the um, we Cowboy spent Bebop way too much time talking movie. about Cowboy Bebop and how it uh, isn't uh, what we wish it was and shouldn't You're exist. You're supposed to put dirty dishes everywhere. <laughs> That's what we're saying. Where are the cigarette butts? Uh, is our main point. Uh, and so, if you want to see that, go over to our Patreon, and uh, also you'll get Discord access, uh, and we will show you uh, a little Quigley down under on the Sundays. 
uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> We're talking about penises. <laughs> That's what you'll find in the Discord. <laughs> Otherwise, follow us Somebody on- told me that, that, coming back to Green Day from before, somebody <laughs> told me that they were on a Green Day fan forum that um, eventually descended into consensual exchange of dick pics. <laughs> that there was just like a forum, like a sub forum on the Green Day forum that was just like showing each other our dicks. <laughs> so I think it's like very, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get that far into the story, but it was very funny. Well, that's what our Discord is. Yeah, it's uh, a consensual exchange of dick pics. <laughs> follow us on Twitter and uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Early one morning with time to kill, I borrowed Jeb's rifle and sat on the hill. I saw a lone rider crossing the plain. I drew a bead on him to practice my aim. My brother's rifle went off in my hand. A shot rang out across the land. The horse he kept running, the rider was dead. I hung my head, I hung my head. I set off running to wake from the dream. My brother's rifle went into the sheen. I kept on running into the Southlands. That's where they found me, my head in my hands. The sheriff, he asked me, why had I run? And then it came to me, just what I had done. And all for no reason, just one piece of lead.